The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. Um, yeah, welcome back to Culture Insanity. I, I hear we already have six to eight listeners, so um, thank you for eagerly uh, anticipating the show, and thanks for taking a break from, uh, you know, Tiger King and and the coronavirus task force um, and the press conferences and, you know, whatever news outlet you consume on a regular basis. <laughs> thanks for tuning into our little show here. So, yeah, we're live <laughs> We're live here uh, from Portland, Alethea, for episode six of Culture Insanity. So, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're healthy still. We're still alive. Josh has his tea, and so that's how he's been staying fit. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have managed to not bring back uh, COVID from work every day, so because I'm still working. Well, and we're practicing proper social distancing. So I know Adam and I probably seem close to each other, but Adam and I live together. Uh, and we live at the, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, abbey, <laughs> like monastery, you know, rectory. I don't know what you'd call it, but yeah. we live at the Haven Ministry, so we're working 24-7 for the church. Um, but we had to web Pastor Monty in. Yeah, speaking of webbing Pastor Monty in, do you hear like an air conditioning? or like it's, a it's, it's Yeah, it's it, Pastor Monty's. Okay, so um, I guess... Forgive us for a little bit of a feedback, but it's not too bad. Are you there, Pastor Monty? Well, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, we can hear you. You're pretty good. All right, so, yeah. I'm just uh, weathering the storm, practicing yeah. so, uh, social distancing. <laughs> okay. How, yeah. how, I mean, that's a, social distancing is a great thing because, you know, uh, it provides you an excuse not to have to deal with people. Yeah, so... Okay, there, you, there's our first controversial <laughs> statement. <laughs> do you social distance outside of COVID-19? Uh, yeah. yeah, I was doing social distancing when social distancing wasn't cool. Yeah, so you're a pioneer. You're a hipster social distancer. Absolutely, absolutely. He was doing social distancing back during the uh, the Spanish influenza, back when it was four feet and not not eight or six feet. So welcome, yeah. welcome to our elderly to the show today. <laughs> what Spanish influenza was nineteen eighteen? Okay, that so was close enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So. Uh, Yes, welcome back to the show. Let's get into it. So, uh, what brings us here today? Just a couple things as a springboard for discussion, and um, yeah, hopefully we get some good feedback um, and some you know engagement on our on our video comments like we did. Um, if my dad is listening, comment on the video. Don't text me. <laughs> right. Comment on the video. I'm not looking to have a personal engagement with you. I am, but I'm not. Producer I am Jas- outside of this time. Producer Jasmine, do you have a watch party going? Okay, let me. Can you send me a link to it so I can follow that feed? Mm-hmm. Thanks. 
All right, so the two things on the docket are two things that are under the same umbrella as far as I'm concerned, but it has to do with um, basically celebrities' contribution or not to this uh, time we're living in now, um, in this quarantine time. So in the last week, a couple different... Um, things happen. So the first thing, Madonna. I think this came first. Madonna posted a video from her presumably large house. Um, and she, I think she was like in a bathtub with rose petals, talking about <clears throat> as one does. As one does. I I frequent the bathtub with the rose petals. <laughs> but she posted a video, um, basically saying that you know what she appreciates about this whole time we're in and Corona is that it's the great equalizer. Let me see if I can pull up her exact quote here. She says, uh, that's the thing about COVID-19. It doesn't care about how rich you are, how famous you are, how funny you are, how smart you are, where you live, how old you are, what amazing stories you can tell. It's the great equalizer, she says. She goes on to say, what's terrible about it is it's made us all equal in many ways. And what's wonderful about it is that it's made us all equal in many ways. Some deep thoughts there. <laughs> and like I used to say, at the end of human nature, we're all in the same boat. And when the ship goes down, we're all going down together. So, Madonna's posting that um, from a presumable place of luxury. Um, that's, that's, you know, part of the discussion. The other um, thing that happened this week was this viral video, which ended up getting uh, a ton of backlash, that Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot. Gadot. <laughs> Wonder always, Woman. Diana Prince herself. I'm always hesitant on the pronunciation of her last name because I've heard it said both ways, pronouncing the T and not. Um, but she posted a, a video on Instagram um, where she's singing and several other celebrities are singing Imagine by John Lennon in their um, their best singing voices. Um, so we're going to talk about that as well. So viral video um, of all these celebrities singing Imagine by John Lennon um, during a difficult time. So first of all, I guess I'll ask you guys, Have had you guys seen that or heard of that um, coming into this episode? Did you guys watch that video? First takes? Are you, you're talking about me and... Yeah, Russ, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I saw the article that you sent me. I knew people were doing it too, I suppose. Like that specific video? Like yeah. Posted the, by her. Well, There's one that's like 25 celebrities singing it. It, I think it was posted by CBS News, and it has like a whole bunch, like Will Ferrell singing it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Pastor Money? Had you seen that? Uh, I saw, yeah, I saw your post, Adam. I, I mean, I commented on it. You know, these uh, these individuals, you know, have the don't have the faintest idea <laughs> about uh, what it is that they're emulating. John Lennon was an avowed communist, and this was his manifesto. So, you know, when you listen to these guys sing, though, you know, uh, I guess you recognize that uh, they must be very happy for recording studios, because some <laughs> of them uh, can barely carry a tune. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your first take is they must not know who John Lennon is or was. Uh, and what this song was about. Well, I think that I, I think that they probably know, but they're caught up in the sentiment 
you know, oh, it's such a wonderful song. But mm. if you look at the lyrics, clearly he's in thousand Continentism. Uh, so, so what's your okay? Thank you, um, Pastor Monty. What's your what's your first take, Josh? Um, <laughs> I just want to get both of your first takes. Is all. That's. I'm not trying to cut you off, Pastor Monty. Yeah, I. I mean, I would agree. I. I don't know if it's necessarily communism. It's definitely atheism. Um, I mean, he claims, it, it, not, he claimed not to be an atheist. Right, I know. <laughs> but I know what he claimed. Um, but the uh, the song definitely has an atheistic point of view. I think it's mi- I think it's missing the point to to um well, first of all, I think it's missing the point to attack people who can't sing very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. New York I mean, Times the New York Times posted an article where that was primarily what it was. Albeit it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> well written and it's roasting, but missing the point for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um but I, I think the song is short sighted in what it it uh in everything. Except for its melody and its <laughs> its artistry. No, it's it's a beautiful song, like in terms of outside of its content. But um No, it's it's always fascinated me and bugged me that this song is used in times of everything. Yeah. Uh, I, they, they sing it. Was this they was sing the one it they every sang? every New Year's? New Year's, right? Yeah, the, every New whoever Year's. Whoever that bald guy was, which did we ever find out who that was? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, nobody of note. Yeah, they always <laughs> sing this. This song is always coming up during you know hard times um, for some reason. Why is that a problem though? Uh, what'd you say? Bernie Sanders. <laughs> why is it? Why is Pastor Monty? Why is it a problem that this song always seems to surface during like a, a hardship or you know something where the collective is going through something hard? Well, I think it's a psychological thing that people think that they you know that they uh, want to be in touch with their feelings and that they are looking forward for some type of. Uh, Utopia. I mean, the the song definitely has a utopian aspect to it, and you know he's basically putting this this feeling uh, romantic type of spin on it, uh, where you know people can say this is something we can hope for, and uh, when times are difficult, uh, people want to have uh, some kind of uh, hope, uh, even if. Uh, even if it's fake, they want some type of hope. That's my take on it. Yeah, I would agree. I think the difficulty is that the song is is a uh, you know snake oil mm. peddling. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, like it it has nothing to base hope upon, and in fact, it it uh, spends its time. Uh, distracting and destroying the, you know, the first, what, two or three verses, Yeah, uh, it undermines all forms of hope to the point where there's no distinction, which makes sense. I mean, John Lennon was highly influenced by Eastern religion, mm-hmm. where everything is an illusion. So, I, you know, I think it's it's beautiful in the sense of having mankind push the, their minds to a point where we are not focused on things that don't matter. 
right? But it's kind of like the whole, <laughs> now I'm going to get it, no politics. <laughs> it's kind of like that whole bill that was just passed in the stimulus package where, you know, he's, he's putting in a bunch of things that, you know, he's trying to get a bunch of different ideas into, into there alongside this message of hope. And, you You're know. talking about Trump? Who are you talking about? I, I'm talking about, what was it, the, uh, the Democrats, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You said he had to be referring to an individual. Oh, well, in that regard, I'm talking about John Lennon. Oh, okay. John Lennon is trying to put, he, he puts all of these ideas in there yeah. that uh, basically make it impossible. And, and you, can, you can read it in multiple ways. Like when you, like that line, imagine all the people living for today. Well, what does that mean, living mm -hmm. for today? Because if somebody was living to get theirs, you know, to have their, what's the, uh, uh, gosh, what is the, it's from that show, Michael Schur's show, Parks and Rec. Uh, what? Uh, treat yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Producer Jasmine, she just whispered it to me. Yeah. Uh, if, if everybody's living today to treat yourself, Dangerous. then what you're doing is you're edging out everybody else. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not a realistic hope. And so then you have to keep expanding upon it. So everybody should treat themselves as if there is no, no hell, no anything. But then in order to do that, they have to not have any distinctions, no countries, nothing to live for, nothing to die for, nothing to kill for, no religion. No, I mean, how, how do you define yourself without those things? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a serious question. I don't I don't mean that as a I don't mean that as a rhetorical. I like literally anybody want to weigh in? <laughs> like how how can you possibly define yourself without any sort of transcend transcendent standard? Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing is, Josh, as you stated earlier, from a musical standpoint, uh, musically it's written really well. It's a catchy tune, so people you know they they get it into their head. And then they just want to continue to uh, focus on it, and uh, so I think that's that's another aspect of it. Yeah, it has one of my least favorite lines in it. Um, you say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Like people like that line a lot, but I hate it because it's a logical fallacy. I can't stand that logical fallacy that says that because more than one person agrees with me that my position is correct. Mm. I hate that. <laughs> yeah so so these people that contributed and i think maybe she's bearing the brunt since she posted it mm. but you know it's really all all of them that contributed yeah um they're getting a kind of an insane amount of backlash over it um obviously because their position is not the majority position so um and that's that's where i'm coming from but even like uh people in positions like theirs, and when I say positions, I mean the 1%, if you will, you know, wealthy, successful people who um, are not dealing with this situation, perhaps that the average person might be dealing with it. Right. Um, for example, there's statistics <clears throat> that the average American, you know, um, can't support an expense $400, $400 outside of their normal um, budget or spending. And so when something like this happens, it puts them into a, a crisis um, and that, you know, a good majority of the people live paycheck to paycheck. And so here you have these people who, <laughs> in a lot of, in a lot of um, 
a lot of whatever a lot of their situations presumably don't have to work for the rest of their lives because they've made a ton of money in their craft um and they're posting videos talking about how it's the great equalizer and haha you know like that's what's funny about this whole thing but <laughs> they're posting it from their rose petal bathrooms in their mansions or and they're singing songs of hope quote unquote <laughs> to people who um are not working, who are going to go in massive debt, who are going, to, you know, all these different ways that it's affecting the average person. So their, their like, um, narrative is not, is not the, the main, the main narrative. Um, Joe Rogan <laughs> posted, um, this is not the time when everyone's granny is dying, you blank idiot, to sing Imagine There's No Heaven. It's such a dumb move, so out of touch. If I'm friends with her, I would have to say, listen, you're awesome, I think you're great, but this is a ridiculous idea. It's so lacking in self-awareness and so ridiculous. Grandma died choking on her own vomit, but I feel like the world's better, better because Gal Gadot is so pretty. There are some people who get the real self-indulgent and real self-righteous with that social media, and exposed a, it's exposed a lot of celebrities for being real dorks he says um but yeah it's just uh it seems incredibly out of touch and um and that's not to say for the record that there aren't you know a good amount of those people that are contributing also like to you know fighting this kind of thing and whatnot like uh, you know actors and musicians and athletes i just read this morning that like a quarterback or something <clears throat> um for the state he lives in. So there's an outbreak in New Orleans, I think, right now, is one of the latest updates. Um, and so the quarterback for the Saints, him and his wife, are, like, contributing $5 million toward fighting that. So um, so what I'm saying is there's not... It's not to say that there aren't, you know, a percentage of these people in these positions that are doing something meaningful, but posting this sort of video seems like a bad move in bad taste with a song that they're failing to realize what it is. Um, <clears throat> one of the questions I have, <clears throat> excuse me, um, one of the questions I had in regards to this, using this as a sort of springboard is the longer this whole thing goes on and this COVID-19, you know, pandemic we're in, um, do you guys think this will turn the average person against, um, celebrities or people, people like this? Um, and will there be a lasting fallout on how the average person either views, treats, or indulges, um, those people what do you guys think like say this goes on um for even another couple weeks or another month and you're continuing to see these kinds of videos from these people or these comments made or you know that go viral showing you know their out of touchness and you know do you think it's going to turn people on against them like in a meaningful lasting way I don't think so. <clears throat> and why not? I think that people want, I think that people's like rationale is different than people's um, lusts basically. And celebrities, and that's funny. Joe Jesse says, if they keep saying stupid things, <laughs> um, select, for select few. Yeah. So maybe if they're ugly, Oh, by the way, <laughs> I'm now in direct competition with my brother-in-law, who happens to be Joe Jesse, about posting a, a vlog or a podcast. So I, I see you, Joe. 
<laughs> I see you. <laughs> Is he st- he's taking our airtime? <laughs> yeah, no. Good for him. Oh, geez. Good for him. Yeah. Um, but what you what Send us, uh, post a link to your, to, to your vlog. To your vlog, and, you know, we'll share it. Um, <clears throat> Rationale and lust. <clears throat> Is that what it's called? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> you, just said, you think people's rational and is lust by from Joe Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, rational and lust with Joe Jesse. <laughs> okay, come on, get back to your point. <laughs> okay, okay. So what I was saying was, uh, I think people's rationale and lust is separated from each other, and they live, you know, in a in a fact value split. And so, as much as they may not like what's going on, they still continue to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a train wreck. Yeah, you know all the all the Trump haters that are out there, they still watch. Yeah, they just watch to hate, mm-hmm. and so I think maybe that's what'll happen is people will watch to hate, but I can't imagine that people will watch, will stop watching, especially if you're pretty. Do you mean watching in terms of like paying attention to what they have to say, or do you mean watching in terms of indulging whatever they produce in the future? Like yeah, I whatever. Mean, I mean consumption. Them. Yeah. <clears throat> You know, especially especially if it's not scripted, mm. right? Because then it's like their real life, and it speaks to who they are as a person, and so it's it's a way people like to gossip. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the one of the <laughs> comments from like one of the backlash comments was something along those lines: is when <laughs> you get a you get a real sense of <laughs> who people are and how they deal with things when times are tough, and here you have these people. <laughs> that are posting a, a good-sounding song in a time where it's like maybe not the best idea to be talking about. Imagine there's no heaven for people whose family members are dying. If, I, if I'm being honest, though, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of surprised by Joe Rogan. And, like, I like that. I li- he's, like, honestly one of the first per- people that I've seen say that Imagine doesn't really make sense. Yeah, he's a, he's a hard one to pin down in terms of his beliefs. I call him agnostic. Yeah. But he's all over the place a little bit, too. Um, yeah, what do you think, Pastor Mondi, in regards to the question? I would tend to agree with Josh. I, I don't think that that uh, people are going to change, um, primarily because the, my reasoning is a little different than Josh's. I, I, I guess I would hold a more pessimistic view of where people are at. As one does. Most people are, are uh, most people are, are um, too shallow to understand the depth and complexities of the issues that they espouse. So, you know, the, the, and, and, this, and this generation, or the, the generation before mine, they've really uh, clinged on to the uh, live-in-the-moment thing. So, which is one of the reasons why this song would appeal to them, because they they uh, they don't think about the consequence future-wise of uh, what it is that they're dealing with. So, you know, everybody loves the idea of um, hearing somebody who uh, they think is successful uh, talk about whatever even though they don't make any sense. And, and so I, yes, I think that, that we'll, we'll continue to hear this nonsense and we'll uh, continue to just have to shake our heads. And go, that, That's why when I see a lot of this stuff, I just dismiss it. I mean, you know, they're not, 
they're not worth uh, they're not worth my time to except for the fact that I need to be up on what's going on so I can respond to your questions. But, but they're not really worth my time. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not really worth my time to find being bothered by what they what they do or say. I, I thought it was fascinating, which is just kind of a side note. But I I thought it was fascinating that that nobody in the media responded to the outlandish claims of LeBron James uh, in regard to how uh, you know how woke he is and that he thinks he's. He's all that. All right, you got me. I don't know what you're referring to. I didn't see what LeBron James said about about something. What did he? What's he? What did he comment on? Well, Le- LeBron James basically said that that uh, that he will no longer tolerate the playing of the national anthem uh, in in the ball game, and that the NFL is either going to stop. Playing uh, the the uh, ball game, uh, the uh, the national anthem. You mean the uh, NBA? Yeah, the NBA. Yeah, or or he's gonna uh, he's gonna quit. Is this a recent thing? Because the league's not yeah. even going on right now. It was uh, published in October. October? That was a long time ago. He's like, he's like I am so wonderful, but but the media has said nothing about you know. Mr. I am so and you know and he, then he goes on to claim that of course he was he's the the best thing since sliced bread and he's the the greatest player and all that BS and well and, maybe uh, maybe that's another question then is like or another thing to comment on like like all we have is time right now right whether it be celebrities or the average person we're all stuck in our houses <laughs> we're all stuck in our houses and we're all like looking to consume something and we're all you know pent up and so now you have celebrities posting videos of them singing imagine and you have people with the time to read it and um like i wonder what i wonder what that will do for like the culture going forward you know like what will it expose or what will it produce like we're all just sitting here looking for something to do and a way to be productive now and uh, things to consume. So Is LeBron James the one with that stupid Sprite commercial? He, he does have a sponsorship with Sprite. From the... Uh, Regal? <laughs> yeah, the Regal, the Regal it's commercial. It's a stupid Sprite commercial where he <laughs> sings an auto-tune and it's like... Uh, it's like animated. Anima- okay, yeah. yeah. I just posted a link to it. I'm like, Of all the ways you could reference LeBron James, Josh, <laughs> now you're out of touch. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Um, this, this Sunday, uh, Fox, uh, Fox uh, Channel is, is promoting a, a, a concert uh, with uh, um, Elton John and, and uh, Beyonce. Oh, it's like the home concert, right? Yeah, yeah it's the home concert. From their home, from their home studios? <laughs> All these musicians are going to be participating from their own home studios. What's and the like? Is it is it in an effort to do something or is yeah, it just, it's a benefit. Is a benefit like it raises money? How does it raise money? How does it raise money? Like, are you like encouraged to donate or something? You're not gonna what? I'm not gonna contribute, so I don't know. 
Uh, let's see. It's in lieu of the iHeartRadio Music Awards. Oh. Um, let's see. Teaming up with iHeartRadio for a timely initiative, a social distancing appropriate benefit concert to raise money for Feeding America and First Responders Children's Foundation. Okay. Oh, there you go. Hey, Backstreet Boys will be performing. <laughs> yeah. They're back, all right? So how do you... Okay, so so this gets into an interesting question. Uh, so my question is going to be in regard to... I don't, I don't want to like open up a can of worms here, but... But ha- here I go. But here I go. <laughs> how, do you, how do you deal with giving to the church during times like that? Mm. Oh, well, that's different. Well, of course you think it's different, and so do I, but I'm wondering how you reconcile that it, when making such a blanket statement about things that giving. are good works, you know, yeah. cause we're dealing with like, and th- by your that, own admission, those were good. Those are good. Yeah. Like uh, in, in particular, we're talking about like the children of first responders and things like that. You know, that's <clears throat> what it, so what do you think is the, what do you think? How do you hold both positions? Yeah. Well, I, okay. So, well, first of all, when you deal with like, uh, children of first responders or people like the, what, what that is, is that's a tug on an individual's heartstrings. Okay. So the reality of it is, is if you're a firefighter or you're a police officer or military, somebody who is killed in the line of duty, first of all, the children are covered under pension plans. And those children are receiving money every month. Um, from those pension plans. Okay. So it's not like they're destitute and they have absolutely nothing. That's not true. Uh, it's part of every police officer, fire worker, even military. They're all covered by uh, life insurance uh, to deal with the fact that if they die untimely in service, uh, there's going to be a payout. And in the case of children, they're eligible for not only the... Uh, coverage under the pension plan, but they're also eligible for coverage under Social Security up until uh, up until the age of, uh, of 21, I think it is. And you, uh, let me just ask a question. You, 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 nothing is not true. So let me just ask a question. You know that because of your expertise in regard to taxes, right? Yeah, my expertise, yes, that's correct. Okay, continue. So, well, so, so the reality of it is, is that, yes, they don't have one of their parents because of this tragedy of them losing their lives as they say paying the ultimate price, but the reality of it is, is they still have money and funds coming to them, and, and uh, sometimes they actually do better so than feel, uh, people that... Pastor, it feels like you're, you might be... <laughs> It feels like you might be backpedaling a little bit on a previous comment that like these are these are worthwhile charities. Are are yeah, you backpedaling? Well, you're asking me to justify where I come from. 
so that's so so they target the heartstrings and they're considered to be you know something that people the American people are charitable people. So okay, so what's what's giving the people have those types of uh, needs uh, makes people feel good. But my responsibility to tithe as a believer, my responsibility to tithe before the Lord is a, is uh, a uh, is an obligation that I have uh, in, to demonstrate my love for the Lord and the body of Christ and His primary work here on earth, which is to spread the gospel of Christ. Okay, so, and that's the distinction I would make, too, is that one is, uh, it's like, mm, how do you say this? It is a normative action, like tithing, giving to the church, um, which you, like, if you are a Christian, you're a part of, you're supposed to be anyway, you're supposed to be part of a local body. And giving to the church benefits you as it benefits the local body, as it benefits you, the other believers. And this is just sort of what you're supposed to do. And when I say sort of, I mean it's a command. Um, and it's part of your normative action as a believer. And that's different than giving to charities, which is above and beyond. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. But I think it's, I think it's an important distinction that, that does need to be made. Um, and that command that, that I'm talking about, the command to, you know, to give in that way to the body, uh, takes place in hard times and, you know, and good times alike. Mm -hmm. Um, so that should also be noted. I mean, we, we may look at our responsibility to give to the church as, as again, we're talking specifically to Christians here, um, uh, but we may look at that as something that we do only in times of almost like we're giving to a charity, you know, yeah. only in times of excess. Yeah. But the truth is, is that we're supposed to be giving all the time. Got our tax turned back so I can finally give a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is, is that we're supposed to be giving all the time um, as, as a part of our normative practice of just living uh, kind of like how you give money to your family. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're a father, you're, you're paying the bills for your children. That's giving money to your family. You could just be that father that doesn't give anything to your family because they didn't they didn't make that money. <laughs> so, yeah. What would that look like? There have been okay. So what, what do you like? Yeah, what would, I have ex I have experienced people who do that. People who their wife's income is you know their wife's income is their wife's income and or even <laughs> or they don't even allow their wife to work. Mm -hmm. And then they will not give, and then they'll give them maybe a stipend if they beg for it, and their children have to pay for themselves. So pay their own way, you know. Hmm. That's like that's a real like thing. Feed themselves even. Yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah, that's a real thing. It's called neglect. Yeah, I was gonna say. Case, like, other than like, in case you're wondering, father or like a, a neglectful father, what does that mean? No, there's families that are set up that way. That's sad. Yeah. Um. Wow. How did we get here? I know that was quite the tangent. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. <laughs> uh, you know, back to the back to the celebrities thing. Of all the people that spoke against it, here's a name you haven't heard in a while and he was like saying how it's absurd that you think you can find hope outside of Christ. Larry the cable guy. 
Oh, he was like kind of trending for a, for a weird for a minute. And Mater respond. Mater himself. Mater himself. Yeah, of the blue car <laughs> blue collar comedy tour. Um, he said he said a lot of wisdom. Get her done. I get her done. No idea what you just said. <laughs> he said he's got all the wisdom. Get her done. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he he spoke he spoke against him, talking about you know he harbors no ill will toward these people but it was out of touch and you know he spoke to the marxism that's in john lennon and you know that song as well but um what does our audience have to say right now has anyone said anything nothing they're just watching just taking it in. all 15 people <laughs> just watching no doubt trying to uh digest pastor monty's position on the emergency services <laughs> <laughs> wait does he like those people <laughs> Wow, Larry the Cable Guy looks old, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I think it it lends for another thing to be considered. You know, at this time, there's going to be a lot of things vying for people's attention. Not like yeah. there isn't before, but like now culture insanity. <laughs> yeah, but now people are really. Um, People are really looking for that. And I think it's a really good time for people to really look at what they've allowed themselves to consume. Yeah, I agree. And what they are um, finding their hope in. Because as Larry the Cable Guy says, actually, I don't know what he says. I haven't read the article. But as I assume Larry the Cable Guy is is pointing out, like there's no hope in, in the song Imagine. There isn't. You know, there's no hope when you think that everything is an illusion. He said, he said many things, but at the end of one of his tweets, because he posted several, he says, I'm not imagining no heaven. Jesus gives hope. Government can't give people a heart change or hope. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a valid statement. And the thing is putting your head into the sand and imagining a better world, you know, going to your inner, your inner peace, finding your inner nirvana it doesn't change things. It doesn't change the world that we live in. And I think that a lot of even Christians have had their world rocked by the fact that, you know, the world wasn't as safe as, as they thought it was. Um, that's, you know, shame on you for, for thinking that as Christians, shame on you for thinking that the world was safer than it actually is. And that, you know, that, we don't live in a world full of sin and that we aren't just passing through it. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is this isn't our home. So the other thing is, I think that a lot of people out there are showing their hypocrisy and this is a time for people to actually take a look at that. Why is it now I'm bringing in a different topic, but why is it that we're so concerned about the old people you know, the old and the infirm. And then we're calling for... Careful. What was that? Careful here. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it that we're so concerned about the old and the infirm? Now. Right now. Um, but we are still killing babies. I haven't fact-checked that thing I posted. What um, thing did you post? Because I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but... There was one thing I saw that said if if we shut down pa planned parenthood for, Oh, I saw this article. for 2 weeks, 
you will have saved more lives than the coronavirus has killed worldwide. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I haven't fact-checked that statistic, so don't hold me to that or hold that whatever to that, but that's interesting. Yeah. Worldwide, you will have saved more lives than this pandemic, which everyone's freaking out about, um, has killed. Well, I just don't... Interesting. I I don't really understand what... Uh, okay, let me rephrase that. I do understand why it is that people view all human life and all life as precious, but I don't understand why the same people who don't view human life as precious are freaking out now about the old people, about the old people and the infirm. And you know, I think that I think it shows hypocrisy. I think that we're in a time of real polarization. And there's an opportunity for people to see beyond and through because everything is so stressed. When everything's so stressed, that's when you start to see people for who they really are and what they really are. And people should pay attention. How can you hold that old people and infirm people are, are like here in Portland, for instance, I think it was in Portland. Maybe I remember that wrong, but I was reading an article, man, Maybe it wasn't in Portland. Maybe I'm superimposing. But I was reading an article where somebody was, they were, man, I should just find it. Um, they had sent, they had sent a letter like basically saying, don't deprioritize the disabled. Mm. You know, don't deprioritize the disabled. They, they can't defend themselves. And if you have to choose who gets care, um, I'm going to have to look at that song. Jesse just posted a a song that he prefers to imagine called Shine. Um, but if if you prioritize those people who have care, you're just, you know, uh, who, who can't care for themselves, then you're discriminating and we need to make sure to not discriminate during this time. And I mean, that's a real problem, right? I mean, you have that going on in Italy where yeah. they don't yeah. have enough, yeah. so they so have to discriminate. Yeah. And... You know, but the question is, how do you value human life? And and I, I know there's a whole other thing where um, some state was saying that abortions aren't an essential medical practice. Hmm. Um, I'll look that up too. Um, but some state was saying that, and so uh, you know, I think that now is a time to really like ask those questions. Uh, Texas. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Planned Parenthood sues Texas for designating abortion non-essential. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting along that, like, it's interesting how people flip-flop depending on the circumstances, right? Yeah. So, one of the, one of the go-to tactics in combating abortion that I've seen is, so first of all, these people that hold, that support, you know, pro-choice or whatever, um... They they lean on the science, right? Yeah. Um, which the science is against them. Yeah. Um, but that's whatever. Uh, and then they 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 cling on to this word viable, viable life, and viable human, and viable person, and blah 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 blah. Right. And and so if you push someone that is pro-choice again, if you like push them into a corner, you present to them the scenario of an old person or not even an old person, someone who is in a, a bad car wreck and now is on life support, you know, um, does that mean we should just 
pull the plug on those people. Kill the old person because they've lived a long life. Pull life support because they're no longer viable. Um, but now you have the same people who now they jump in they're jumping given new circumstances and they say no no support the old and infirm support the old and infirm but they're just flip floppy they're super yeah. flip floppy in their their worldview and they're not consistent and they have fact value splits like you you mentioned earlier and it's it's interesting <laughs> yeah it's just weird how you know you have a bunch of celebrities out there who are singing this song imagine and they're talking about how there's no real value to anything. They don't want these distinctions and how we all should live as one. And yet they make distinctions about, you know, old and infirm or even uh, fetus and viable fetus and so on and so forth. Which, by the way, guys, fetus is just Latin for baby. But they make the distinction between a fetus and a baby. Mm. And, you know, like, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of people like really exposing their thought process. And so when I say that, I don't necessarily think that everybody's nefarious out there, you know, or that they're, that they have just this like evil intent, evil intent. Yeah, I, I don't think they're malicious, but I do think ill informed. And yeah, not. I don't think they're malicious, but I think they're malignant. Yeah. You know, they're infected mm -hmm. and we need to pay attention to what we're inputting. That's yeah. yeah. Like it's go ahead, pastor. all their ethics into a tailspin. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yes, exactly. And a lot of people, if you watch sitcoms and you watch, uh, you know, you watch what's going on on the television, I'm telling you, there's no depth. Yeah. Yeah, no, this, what we're talking about now just reminds me, a couple episodes back when this was first starting, like when we were, man, it feels, it actually feels like forever ago considering the developments of the coronavirus and how the world has responded to it. But just two episodes back, we talked about how this could potentially, and back then it was a potential, but now it's sure. like it's, it is. Um, this could potentially change people's habitual consumptions of yeah. things and outputs. And yeah. it's like, yeah, now, like we're talking about, now people are going to be forced to confront their habitual 
where they habitually went to get um, advice or you know right. like wisdom or you know where they habitually went to get the the hot take on this and then they will then in turn mirror that same you know response um, but yeah it I think it will continue to confront people's uh, people will be forced to confront their habitual tendencies um, not just in regards to what they consume in the media but like what they output and what they believe yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're speaking about when you're speaking about that and Pastor Monty, you're speaking about like complacency. I think that there I think that the best place to see that is in the church. I think that you can really see how the church has scrambled. And in most cases, unless you are a large church, the church was ill equipped to deal with the to deal with this crisis in terms of um, contact and right. you know yeah they they don't know how to uh webcast or yeah how to webcast so it, it's and that's really interesting you know the church has institutionally kind of always been at the forefront of technology um you know we were the ones to take the printing press to the next level for instance um we were the ones to change from scroll to codex and so on and so forth um so we've always kind of been at the forefront of technology in in terms of spreading the gospel. But this one really took us by surprise, I would say. And there's just a lot of places that unless they had had that forward thinking, they the, these last few weeks have been the first time that they've had, you know, any sort of uh, webcast of their sermons. Um, and they're not really sure how to interact with their congregation. Yeah, and they fear they fear losing their congregation because their congregation it wasn't part of their like not routine, but you know, like it just wasn't part of their exposure at all. Like you know, hey, if you miss a Sunday because you're sick, you can still tune into it this way. Like, yes, you still come every Sunday, and we obviously would prefer you to be here, but right, like, they just weren't exposed to it. So now, and especially if you have an older church, you know, which yeah. many do, like many yeah. do. Uh, what are you gonna like? What are you gonna do now? Like these people don't know how to navigate these systems and technologies, like because you never took the time to like prepare them in case they were, you know, like, and it seems so, it seems so obvious, like, especially if you're dealing with an old church, cause inevitably they will miss more services due to, you know, ailments or whatever. Like it just is what it is. But, um, well, the other aspect of that is, uh, that generation will die quickly. That's the other aspect, you know? Yeah. It, technology can help them. If you have people who are willing to, a understand that technology and b educate on that tech on that technology but you're really only dealing with like maybe a 10 to 15 year output mm. for that particular generation so what are you going to do when the next generation comes along and you don't have these services for them mm -hmm. it's 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 small and i think crisis like this really puts the church on notice and i do wonder what the effect of that is going to be in terms of these churches um, that can't pivot, you know, and that didn't pivot. Um, I wonder if they're going to seal their fate as irrelevant. And part of the part of the larger picture is is so when I say part of the larger picture, I'm talking about in terms of like end times theology. Is I I really believe a faith that isn't um, interdependent upon the local body, you know. 
um, and I say interdependent, I, I mean that. I don't mean dependent. I mean interdependent upon the local body where people are practicing their faith internally. And I've always thought that that would come simply, you know, because of the creeping in of uh, secular humanism. I know we're getting kind of heady now, but um, of the idea that self is what reigns supreme. But I kind of wonder if it's going to creep in because of something like this, where the church just in a massive way has shown itself to be irrelevant and unable to, to meet the needs. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like people are going to joke about the institution. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, organized religion? What did that do for us? Yeah. And then Madonna will be proved right in the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What aspect of Madonna? That she's a material girl living in a material world? No, <laughs> the great equalizer. No, I know. And, yeah, I know. Comments, but <sighs> yeah, did we lose our audience with secular humanism? I don't. I, I don't <laughs> think we lost the audience with secular humanism. Um, you know. Yeah, I just. Yeah, it's interesting. I there's just a lot of ways that this could play out. Mm-hmm. And I think that celebrities, celebrities, I I don't think that we're going to lose them. I, I do think that they might gain more status as individuals, though. Hmm. Um, Pastor Monty, I, I think you were talking or joking about, like, the generation before you having sort of a decadence. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, like, I know that you're actually technically speaking about... Actually, are you talking about people born in the 1920s? about the greatest generation. I'm talking about the generation that follows my generation. Oh. Oh. Gen, millennials, Gen X, Gen... You're talking about my generation. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's the generation before. The generation before that has, that, you know, has to answer for all this. Hmm. It's 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 your generation that has to answer for all this because you guys are at the helm of the ship. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, no, that's that's really true. There is that element that is there. But what I'm saying is the current the current generation they they have no uh, they have no depth. Yeah, because they weren't taught depth. They weren't taught depth because your generation's slogan was <laughs> greed. Sure. And, and those types of things, and they threw out all social norms, um, and in an attempt to throw out social norms, uh, they adopted uh, uh, methodologies like Dr. Spock, for example, that that believed that you didn't ever want to discipline a child because it would uh, inhibit them. Yeah. Of course, you know, the free love and all kinds of things, and that led over into my generation as we grew up uh, coming into the 1960s and then into the 70s. I think that um, his clocks are telling the time right now. There's kind of a bleed over that takes place. But, uh, yeah, w right now, the current generation, they, they there's no depth in how that they approach things. Yeah, and of course there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant of... Um, 
of people who who do approach things with depth. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. There's a guy, uh, Ben Shapiro, and and uh, what the, that guy that you like, us, the guy that goes on college campuses. Oh, um, yeah. you're talking about Crowder. Yeah, He's a funny one. <laughs> but there are individuals that uh, that are distinct and, and stand out as uh, sharp young people. But by and large, um, you have these uh, you know these individuals that don't really show much. And and you know actually, uh, Madonna comes out of uh, my generation. And yeah. And, uh, I mean, she's, people don't realize it, but, you know, she's she old. old. She old. Yeah, she's old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's old. And, uh, you know, when I look at what she has to say, I mean, basically, we're talking about a has-been. Okay. Madonna can hardly be called a has-been. Yeah, she's a has-been. She's not doing currently popular at all. And the only reason why she was popular was because she pulled stunts like wearing her underwear on the outside of her clothes. Uh, that's, 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 that's not true. That's what made these kinds of things are what made her popular. No, <laughs> as much as I don't like Madonna and her music for the record, Madonna knew how to work things and she did it well. And she has some talent. Have you ever seen Evita? Is that a movie? There's a difference yeah. between the occasion where she, she pulls it out and does do something. But, but basically, she was uh, the forerunner of Lady Gaga. So she was Yeah, like, definitely. She, she was marketing. She was into marketing herself. Yeah, absolutely. But as far as a musician, please. She, well, she wasn't... She Yeah, she was self-marketing uh, very much. Like, there's a famous clip of uh, her talking to Dick Clark how, saying how she wants to take over the world. Um, she Yeah, she has a drive to, to do that. Um kind of the opposite in terms but it's interesting because she based a lot of her 80s look on this but kind of the opposite in terms of um norma jean uh uh marilyn monroe right so she a lot of her a lot of her look is based on marilyn monroe but that's the studio marketing marilyn monroe mm. um she wasn't yeah, you know, your mother and i are um were uh because of this you know being pent up and not being able to get out I'm watching stuff like uh, uh, Nat King Cole and and, sure. uh, and and Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra and you know these guys reek with musical talent. Okay, and, you're gonna. <laughs> All right, we've digressed and we're for, to for, close, we need to close for, the episode out. For the record, I, I just want to say Lady Gaga, who is who you know comes after, like you said, she's sort of uh, like a spiritual successor, yeah. is oozing with talent she has a lot of talent um she started to um there was a period in lady gaga's uh history where she started to pull away from all the costumes and all that type of stuff where she was just as a pure musician you mean with uh tony tony bennett Bennett? yeah the tony bennett era (laughs) the tony bennett era Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, Joseph Jesse brings up a point, and it's one that I wanted to bring up. Um, so this is cool. He says, Millennials, 9-11 happened when I was 18. Great Recession happened when I was 25. Now global pandemic at age 36. I think 
that so he's saying every 10 years or so well he's talking about generations there and and i think it is important to note that all of those things are generation defining um and i think that what we're going to see is that this pandemic is going to be i you know is going to be the 9-11 right of this generation and i think it's a real important i don't think people have understood specifically the church I don't think the church has understood that that's what it is, that we are in the middle of a crisis that will be generation defining and how we handle that crisis is going to determine the narrative that the next generation continues on with. So I think the church's responsibility is to up its game in this moment. In every crisis, the church has innovated when it has survived right? The whole church has survived, but I'm talking about local churches have innovated and that's when they've survived. So I can tell you for ABF, like our response is going to be innovation. And we already were at the forefront of that in our local, you know, in our local area. In fact, (laughs) (laughs) we're famous. In fact, our good friend, John Schleifle, uh, just, yeah, he, he just called us, uh, famous because our, uh, on the Wikipedia page for the coronavirus pandemic, our church's picture is up of our reader board that's saying um, it's is set- that on coronavirus Wikipedia page proper? I don't know, but Let's it's on it's on some some who sort of posted that originally. Uh, our good friend Jacqueline. Let's see. But there's a picture anyway, there's a picture of our church's reader board saying, you know, web sermons only and stuff is live on um Facebook and YouTube. So, uh yeah, so we're going to we're going to tr- we're going to try to keep innovating over here on our end and we're going to be pushing a mandate of uh contact and and content. But the church itself needs the, the church, not just the local church, but the local churches now, they need to be doing the same. Everybody needs to be um, innovating because we are in a time of crisis. And when I say that, I mean generation defining, mm-hmm. regardless of how big the threat actually is, regardless of whether more kids were killed by abortion than, than the coronavirus. You know, that's the thought process that we need to be having. And I think these celebrities, the fact that these celebrities are going out and doing what they can... You know, and they're trying to reach the world by singing their dumb songs like Imagine means that they uh, are are in that, too, Mm -hmm. that they that they understand on some innate level that this is that this is a significant, you know, generation defining time. Yeah. So So where's the church? Are we? So is the church going to produce Imagines or something more meaningful? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What is the church going to produce that is more meaningful? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, that's a good that's a good note to end on. Uh, Pastor Monty, thank you for being available. Thank you for social distancing, but phoning in. Yep. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you for tuning in, and just keep looking forward to the next uh, the next whatever the next whatever we produce through the Vigilance Radio Network. We as as Josh just ended on there. Um, we're thinking about how we can be actively, um, how we can be relevant. <laughs> so whether that means continuing to do radio shows or podcasts consistently for however long we're here, stuck, and whatever, um, that's what we'll do. So be looking uh, 
for what we do as a church on abfpdx.org and be looking for what we produce here through the Vigilance Radio Network. So, see you guys. Thank you. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.